Thank you, Brother David. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter. You know, um, the, um, when I sing the choir, I try to pace myself, you know, save my voice for preaching, you know. Um, there was a time that I used to carry the tenor section. <laughs> what are you all laughing at? What's going on here? You guys don't know what's a joke and what's serious, all right? And, um, but I'll tell you, when we start singing this morning, holy, 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 man, you can't hold back on that song, amen? I mean, how do you not sing, his name is wonderful, you know? I am so blessed. We're so blessed that God prepares our hearts with good music, I mean, um, Again, I just I feel bad for the young people in the church because I've been singing these songs my whole life. But as you go through the trials of life and you hang in there and walk with God and you go through some more trials of life and you keep hanging in there and being obedient and, and you're going, where are you, God? And you keep hanging there and go through the trials of life. Boy, them songs are sweet, ain't they? Huh? You can't appreciate them when you're young. When life beats you up, and you're still hanging around the Lord, man, they're, they're sweet. They're sweet songs. Again, there's just days I don't want to leave the church, go back out in that world. But God calls us to go back out in that world, tell people that Jesus loves them. Um, um, before I get in my message here, next week, um, seven days from now, we have uh, our annual friend day. I hope you're going to bring somebody so they can hear the clear gospel of Jesus Christ that they might have a chance to receive him as their Savior. I pray you'd find some Christians that ain't going to church, ain't living for God. They've been hurt at church or whatever. Bring them back see if they'll give the church a second chance. All I know is that um, I believe that Jesus is God in the flesh who came to die for my sins, and I got sins. And I believe this is the word of God that will change our lives. Um, I know there's a little part in there that says, in Hebrew, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's church coming together. Um, I see the great need. Didn't When I was young, I see the great need for each of us to take our gifts and the things that God's given us and bring them together corporately to further the gospel, to encourage each other, to help each other. I see it so clearly. It was clear to God when I didn't see it clearly, but it's clear. It's clear. God's word is truth and everything that opposes it's a lie, okay? First Peter, book of First Peter chapter 4, give you a little context, guys threw a little map up there. If you went to chapter 1, Paul said, Peter says, uh, I'm going to write this letter. He writes two letters, Peter 1, Peter 2, amen? The first one has 106 verses, 105, the second one has 61 verses. i got to get everything right, because if I don't get the verses right, people will come and correct me, okay? Pastor is 104 verses, not 106. They'll do it, I'm telling you, okay? And that's okay, all right? Keeps me sharp. Two letters that Peter writes. He writes to Bithynia, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, all that area today. Today, that would be mostly modern-day Turkey, all right? And a lot of churches were started over there. It went over to Greece. The missionaries went over to Rome. They went up throughout the world, man. These guys talking about Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They started churches just like ours all over the world. They, they, had, a, they had a fervor. They believed what they taught. 
Peter, who was Peter? He's one of the guys who spent three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was out there fishing, throwing a net in the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus said, drop the nets. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And in that three and a half year journey, that guy made so many mistakes, it's incredible. But God says, you're my man. So it qualifies us to be his man, amen? He, he did so many things wrong, it's incredible. But he, he went no dummy. There's a place in the Bible where Jesus says, Peter, who do men say that I am? Jesus, he tells them, well, some say you're a prophet, this or that. People never get who Jesus is right, you know what I mean? Jesus is the creator, God in the flesh, who came to die for our sins. It is so simple when you read the word. Instead of speculate. He said, who do you say I am, Peter? He said, oh, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who Peter is. So when Peter, in two little letters, talks about the Lord Jesus, I want to pay real close attention. I don't want to listen to some fellow up in the Northeast in some theological seminary tell me about Jesus. I want to know what Peter said about Jesus. Can you understand that? Quit listening to all the, the things that are out there. Listen to these men who walked with God. Even in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Peter says it was the Holy Ghost in them. It wasn't even them. That's what he says. That's what he claims to right here. Yeah, I want to listen. This book right here, 105 verses in the first one, 61 verses in the second one. I wrote down some of the, the, the material that's in there. I'm going to read the verse in just a minute. Just hang on, okay? All right? He talks about salvation. Salvation is through Christ and Christ alone. Pretty simple. Read, read what he says. This is the guy who walked with Christ. His name was Jesus Christ. His name means Savior. Peter walked with the Savior. He talks about eternal security. God help folk who believe after they trust Christ, they got to live a certain standard of life to keep their salvation. Because if that's true, I'm in big trouble. And you're in big trouble. Because the standard is perfection. Okay? He talks about eternal security. He talks about the suffering of believers. Now, I don't know a whole lot about that. I live in America. But there's Christians in the world today can tell you about suffering, buddy. He talks about suffering. Matter of fact, he's getting all these folks ready right here. I think this was written about 63 A.D. Just a year or two later, Nero's going to go crazy. The emperor in Rome's going to go crazy. And he's going to persecute Christians all over the world. He's getting them ready for suffering, boy. He's getting them ready. He talks about prophecy. I tell you what, I can talk to you all day about prophecy out of this book. I can take you hundreds of places in this book right here. Let me ask you, Christian, can you take people places that talk about prophecy? If you're a Christian, you ought to know about prophecy. It's one of the stamps in the Word of God to prove that that's God's book and not men's book. I'm telling you, if you don't know prophecy, you need to get with some old person in this church, man or woman, and say, teach me about prophecy. It's one of the great reasons, one of the things that drew me to the Bible. He teaches about government authority, authority in the family. He teaches about authority in these little bitty books. He teaches all this stuff, all this stuff. He preaches about the resurrection. Now, this guy was an authority in resurrection because he saw Jesus on the cross, in the grave, and resurrected. I don't listen to some lame. I'm going to preach in just a minute. I don't listen to some compromising preacher 
Some weak preachers say, well, the resurrection, because we're getting close to resurrection, ain't we, amen, Easter? Yeah. And there's preachers, well, it was, a, it was a spiritual thing. It wasn't no spiritual thing. His body was in the ground for three days and three nights, just like Jonah was in the heart of the belly. He was in the earth, and he raised from the dead. Read your Bible. This guy was there. Listen, talks about the defense of the faith. He talks about all the false prophets and all the false teachers that are in the world, that are in the world twisting the Bible, making it say what they want it to say instead of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. But yes, he talks about marriage. He talks about pastors. He talks about churches. And these little books, all this stuff, yeah, he talks about the sure word of prophecy, how you can count on the Bible. You can trust the Bible above even our own eyesight. He talks about the fall of angels. He talks about creation. He talks about the flood that people run around denying on the earth. Evidence everywhere. He talks about how he saw Christ as glorified state on the Mount of Transfiguration. He talks about the coming day of the Lord where God will judge this earth. In those little books? Yep. They say if anybody had a lick of sense as a Christian, they'd go home and read them books. You know? I mean, one, a Christian with a lick of sense, amen? And just slow down and read them just for a minute. Let's look at chapter 4. Let's get in the middle of one of these little letters right here. I'm running out of time already. Chapter 4, we're going to read five verses there. Here's Peter writing to these folks that are getting ready to be persecuted. They're in Asia and Galatia and Pontus and Cappadocia and Bithynia. Here's what he says. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, and boy, did he do that. He says to these Christians, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust or the desires of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles or the will of this world. When we walked in lasciviousness, that's immorality, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Look at this. Here's what the world thinks. Wherein they think it strange that you, not, you run not with them to the same excess of riot. What's this? Speaking evil of you. Speaking of Jesus, who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick, that's the living, and the dead. Let's pray. Father, pray you bless your word. I'm so excited to open your word this morning. Dear God, I've studied it. I pray people have come here with prepared hearts and minds to receive it, dear God. I pray it would challenge us to live for you. I pray it would change us, dear God. I pray your word will teach us right now. Dear God, help folk. What a wonderful song that your grace is greater than all the pain we've ever accumulated in our lives. And dear God, there's got to be people going through pain right now. There's people getting ready to go through pain, dear God. May we reach out to your grace, not just words on a page, but may we have a walk with you that we can go to that grace when suffering comes in our lives, dear God. Teach us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. There's a word that's used eight times in these two short letters. 
See, which one are you going to preach on this morning, Pastor? You're going to preach about the flood? You're going to preach about creation? You're going to preach about the day of the Lord, preacher? Those are all good things. I could preach on a lot of those things. I could prove to you. I could go through for hours. I could wear you out showing you why I believe the Bible is the word of God, the certainty of scriptures. Which one are you going to do, Pastor? I'm going to teach this morning on the foundation that all of them are built upon. For they are all worthless without this. It says it in these verses over and over again. The word used in these letters is the word conversation. What? You're going to teach us what, Pastor? Conversation. In the King James Bible, in that archaic book that I love so much, conversation means, what's this? The manner of my life. The way I live my life before men and God. Conversation, when you see that word eight times in here, is talking about the manner of our life. When people look at us and what they see about us, not what you see or I see about myself. Man, when I went through a hard time in my life, I mean, I had to go to a Christian counselor. Oh, that was so discouraging, having to go to a counselor. I'm like, I'm the counselor. I'm the guy that directs people and fixes people, shows them truth. And I'm sitting in front of a guy. And I sat in front of him, sat in front of him, sat in front of him. And you know what? One day he revealed to me, he said, you're an angry man. There's only two people in the room. And I was looking around the room. <laughs> now, you're, you're, you're joking, right, Pastor? No. He said, you're an angry man. I said, man, I don't see it. But you've been right so far, so I believe you're here too. We don't see our ways that we are but the world sees how we are. You may, and I may think that we're good Christians and we're walking with Jesus, but if the world don't see it, it don't mean nothing. You may go to church, and boy, what did I say? Forsake not the assembling yourselves together. It says in the verse, as the manner of some is. More Christians out of church than in church this morning. It's a sad thing. It's all right. God still loves them. I'm glad they're saved. I just want to get them back in and help us, amen, win the world for Christ. This is talking about our testimony. All these things, all these doctrines of eternal security, all these doctrines of the resurrection, defending the faith against liars are worthless if you and I don't have a good testimony. The word is conversation. Look at this in verse 1 and 2. It says, For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. I have to flip over to Philippians chapter 2 here. <clears throat> I think the guys might put it on the screen there. I'm not sure. Philippians chapter 2. I thought I had Philippians chapter 2. There it is right there. Look at this. He says, what does he say here? For as much as Christ has suffered in the flesh for us, he says the next phrase, arm yourselves likewise or like Christ with the same mind. He says here, Peter, who walked with Jesus, who saw the resurrection, who saw Jesus in his glorified state like he was with the Father. Incredible story. You've got to read it in the Gospels. He says we need to have the mind of Christ. Well, let's look in Philippians at the mind of Christ just for a moment. Chapter 2 and verse 5. And see, here's the problem. you just like, oh, poor Daniel. And you thinking the preacher's talking about somebody but you. Could we just stop and think the scripture could be applying to us? And there's some area in our life we need to work on our testimony. 
What a sad thing we walking around, going to church, putting our offering in, doing this, going to all the things you go to, playing a role in the part. And we walk out these doors, we got a bad testimony. And we don't even see it. He says, arm yourselves with the mind of Christ. Verse 5 of chapter 2 of Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, there it is, man, the deity of Christ, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, came from heaven, made himself of no reputation, and took on upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Can you be any clearer who Jesus is? And Peter, who is with Jesus, says, think like Jesus, is what he tells us. He talks about the flood. He talks about angels, fallen angels. But they're all built upon this foundation of a good testimony, thinking like Jesus. What Jesus how did Jesus think, Pastor? He was the creator, the God of the universe. And he came in the likeness of sinful flesh and walked this earth to die for our sins. Humility defines the mind of Jesus. Do you and I have humility this morning as we look at the Word of God? Verse 8, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Peter, all the things he could say, and, and I want to tell you something, as you read this, he some of you are going to go home and read this because you're going to afraid. And I'm going to run across you and say, did you read that? And then you're betwixt. Do I tell the truth or do I lie? Just go home and read it, amen? If you slow down and read it, you're going to find out. He talks more about our testimony and our behavior towards the world than he does any of these other subjects. Nah, preacher. Yeah, he does. He talks about the way people see us more than he does any of these other doctrines that are found in the Word of God. Think like Jesus. What's this? Next thing, act like Jesus. It's easy to act like Jesus when everything's cool and everybody's happy and the bank account's full and there ain't no divisions between people. It's easy to act like Jesus then. But when everything starts falling apart, it's hard to act like Jesus. Our conversation, our testimony. Look in that verse, verse there again. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, that was on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. He says, arm yourselves, equip yourselves likewise with the same mind. Watch this. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Are we sinning, Christians, or have we deceived ourselves? Well, my testimony is pretty good, Pastor. Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. In 1 John, John writes to Christians, he says, I write these things unto you that ye sin not, not a little bit, but not at all. That's a great testimony. Listen, and so here we are this morning. Here we are as Christians over here in this world. God's called us out of this dirty world, this rotten world, to be different, to look different, to act different, to think different. And here's the world over here, and they're looking at us over there. I always like to try to figure out how 
how unbelievers think, how they see things. You know what I mean? They're standing over here, you understand, and they're looking at us over there, and they're going, what a bunch of weirdos. The Bible says we're called a peculiar people. We stand out in this world. What's this? Or do they really say that? See, because I don't think there's two groups of people. There's believers hopefully going to church, serving God, doing right, having the mind of Christ, acting like Christ. But I think there's a group that's sort of in between. They're just sort of hanging out, but the world doesn't even notice them. They talk the same. They act the same. They go to the same places. Nothing peculiar about them. They act just like we do. Yeah, but we got Jesus. But God says we're supposed to be like this group over here. We're supposed to stand out. Anybody talking bad about you as a Christian? Well, preacher, I'm not sure they know I'm a Christian. Everywhere we go, they should know that we carry the name of Christ. I'm not saying going out there to act like a fool, preach to people, whatever. By our behavior, they should know that we belong to God. In Romans, I mean, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it talks about how the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe, so they will not believe in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. They're blind over here. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 18, I want to turn there and get, read it just right. I love this verse because it tells me how people in the world think who don't have Christ. Chapter 4, Ephesians verse 18, having the understanding darkened. You've heard me say it before. Their understanding is darkened. That which is normal, that which is obvious, the way it should be, they don't get it. Everything that God sets up, they have perverted and they have changed because their understanding is darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. That's a sermon in itself. I'm not going to go there. You know what I know about these people? I used to be one of these people. Well, I didn't get to act it out like they did because I was raised by Clyde Green. Amen? I was alienated from God. I had an unbelieving heart. My mind would have been darkened, but he wouldn't let me to my fullest extent. You all that have Christian homes, you should thank God that you're not running this world acting like people who don't know God. And it's not their fault because their minds are darkened. And God has called that group over here to come These people tell these people over here, that Jesus loves them, and he can save them, and he can help change their life. That's, that's, this is the foundation. Peter, the guy who walked around with Jesus for three and a half years, he's throwing nets out, catching fish, and Jesus says, come here. I want to make you fishers of men, people, is what he says. This is what Peter talks about more in these letters than all the other great doctrines that proves of the Bible more than anything. I'm always trying to figure out and understand unbelievers. It's hard to remember because I used to be one of them. Every once in a while, that old sinful flesh will pop up, and I understand. Oh, that's right. That's the way they think. That's the way they see things. When we see things like Christ sees things, what's this? Let's go back to the verse, the original verse. You with me here? For as much as Christ has suffered in the flesh for us, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What does that mean, suffered in the flesh? That means you deny your flesh. Your flesh 
and my sinful flesh want certain things in our lives. Christ, he says it all, the Bible talks about, it says deny yourself. The Bible says crucify the flesh. Over and over we find this theme as believers denying our flesh. See, in, in verse 3, he names some of these sins. Look at verse 3, he says, for the time past of our life. I like Peter. He puts himself in there with these people. I don't know if he did these specific sins, but he's saying, in time past of my life, I was a sinner just like them folk over there. He says he named some a lasciviousness. That's, that, is, that is perverted immorality. It's unnatural, inordinate affections. Lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, idolatries. The list could have kept going on and on and on. Matter of fact, I think he could have put in there things like, um, I don't know, gossiping, talking about other folk. Do you talk about other folk? Do you talk about other folks to help them fix where they are in their life? Or do you talk about other folk just to talk about other folk? I want you to know you've got a bad testimony. You've got one that's right over there. How about lying? Oh, I'm a Christian, Pastor. I never lie. She just lied. It's our nature. The Bible says our father was a liar. Do you covet? Do you desire what other people have and you're fixated on it? You need to fix that in your life. It's a bad testimony. Got any anger in your life? Why don't you try to give that to God? I got a lot of things to be angry about. You know, that was my excuse. I had a lot of things to be angry about. You don't understand who I got to be around all the time. You don't understand who I'm working with. Don't take it personally, man. Okay. I don't get it with God. He says, those who have suffered in the flesh, I want my flesh to suffer. I want to starve my flesh to death where he dies and I don't have to deal with him anymore. That is the great thing about the resurrection. I'm going to have a new body that don't want to ever sin ever again. I don't have to worry about being angry or coveting or lying or wanting to put this on somebody because I'm going to be just like Jesus. But till I get there, Peter says, have the mind of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Deny the flesh and its desires, every little one of them. Are you still thinking about everybody else's sins or have you focused in on yourself yet? Have you? I need to focus on myself. I'm just trying to challenge you here this morning. Look at verse 4. Look at that clock fly, baby. All right. Here, look. Verse 4. Look at this. Here's how those, see, we're over here. We're over here. Is that where we were, right? Was anybody paying attention? Were the Christians over here? Okay. All right. Okay. And those who are unbelievers over here. Let's see how they think in verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot. They go, what? Don't you all have any fun? I remember going out with a lady, a, a nice lady, uh, but not been a Christian very long at all or whatever, and I was eating somewhere with her, and uh, she got a little glass of wine. She goes, you're going to have some wine? I go, no, ma'am, I don't drink alcohol. Don't do it. Sweet lady. She said, well, how do you, how do you relax? But that's why people do it, right? That's why we go home and get those beers and put them down. Just get, I, I know, I've never done it. 
And I don't think I'm better. I got my own sins, but I need that little buzz, Pastor, just to knock the edge off. That's what people tell me. I don't know. That's why we have the Spirit of God. Do you understand that? This testimony that we have that makes us different from the world is the foundation that all these doctrines that what we... Because if my testimony stinks, they don't hear a word I'm saying. They don't hear a word I'm saying about all these great doctrines and these teachings from the Word of God, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, and because we don't run with them, they speak evil of us. I'm running over, I'm over here paying my taxes, pulling over the side of the road, helping people with flat tires, feeding little old ladies, blah, blah, blah. And they're over over there going, weirdo. That's what they're saying. But they have a reason. Their minds are blinded by the God of this world so they'll not see the glorious gospel. They have unbelieving hearts, okay? That's the way they see things. That guy's a party pooper. He ain't had no fun in his life. Uh, trust me, I got, I got rebuttal on that. Don't worry. I'm just making a point. They will actually speak, speak evil of us when we try to advance the morality of this book in our culture. When we say, this is what a marriage looks like, ah, what are you talking about? What do you hate people for? I become the evil guy. When, hey, you know, we shouldn't have all these things that just destroy people's lives and get them high and make them steal from their relatives and, and go to jail and get incarcerated. Ah, oh, you got to let them have their freedoms. What's wrong with you? They speak evil because of those things. I, but you know what? The Lord Jesus still loves them. Got so much stuff here this morning. Let me take you two places real quick. Turn to a chapter 4 of the same. We're in chapter 4. Oh, my goodness, okay? Look in, uh, look in verse 12. I'm going to read about six, seven verses. Hang with me, okay? i got two places to go. Then I'll, we'll close this down. He's, he's writing to Christians in Cappadocia, Bithynia, Asia, all those places. The persecution of Rome was about to come against Christians because of Nero. He said, beloved, they're saved, man. I'm beloved. You're beloved if you know Christ. Let me stop here for just a second. If you haven't figured this out yet, if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to save you, God wants you to ask his son, Jesus, to save you. He loves you. Every sin you ever committed, Jesus bore on that cross. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. The Bible says, for with the heart, Man believes on the salvation. Salvation is not a church thing or a list of things you do to check off to make God happy or getting dunked in the baptistry 50 times. It's just saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know you sent Jesus to die for me, and you ask him to save you. I don't want to miss that. There could be, if there's just one person, if there's five people, if you've never asked Christ to save you, that's why he came. That's why he suffered on the cross. Look in verse 12, beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you. As some strange thing happened unto you. This is a normal thing, this trying, this testing, this persecution, this suffering. He says, but rejoice as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, 
ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Are we going to identify with Christ and his suffering? Are we going to live like this over here? Or are we going to be these Christians that just look like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, and the world never sees a difference in our lives? Look a little bit further. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, if people look down, say bad things about you because of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. They even talk about the Savior in a demeaning way, it says here. But on your part, he is glorified. Do we glorify God in our lives and Christ in our lives? But let none of you suffer as a murder. He goes on for a little while. Look at, look at verse 17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. We're supposed to judge ourselves. Now let the world judge us. We're supposed to police ourselves. Are we living holy and righteous lives? Look at verse 18. And if, if the righteous, that's me and you, and by the way, I'm righteous not because of the way I'm living, I'm righteous because I've trusted Christ as my Savior. That's why I'm righteous. If the righteous scarcely be saved, who is this? This is Peter who walked with Jesus and heard him teach about the kingdom of heaven. This guy's the authority, not some other mistaken person. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, look at this, as unto a faithful creator. Did you learn a little doctrine there? Jesus is the creator. In Genesis 1, it says, and God created. There's your little doctrine for today. Boy, I preach, I was hoping you talk about the day of the Lord. When Jesus come back, I was hoping you'd preach about the resurrection. There's your little doctrine right there. Jesus is the creator. Let me give you one last verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. I'll read this. You don't have to turn there. has to do with our testimony. What's this? You go home and read this. I can't read all this stuff. Ladies, go home. There's a little section in there. It says, if you have an unbelieving husband, you live a godly life before him that he might be drawn to Christ. You can talk all you want about the resurrection, the Bible, and prophecy, but if we don't have a good testimony, we can't even affect the people that are closest to us. And they see us better than anybody sees us, amen? I got daughters. I got people in my life. I know they're watching me to see if this Jesus thing is the real thing. I got people around me watching me they don't care about my doctrines. They want to see the difference in my life first. That's the foundation. 1 Peter 2.12, having your conversation, what is that? The manner of your life, honest among the Gentiles, that's talking about unbelievers, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers. I think six or seven times it says that unbelievers see us as evil or evildoers. Isn't that crazy? That's the way they see us. That, well, it says, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. What's that verse saying, Pastor? I'll tell you what I think it's saying. 
they're going to watch me, and they're going to watch me, and they're going to watch me. They're going to listen to my words about Christ, about the second coming, all those things, but they're watching me. And one day, God's going to come to them and draw them by the Spirit. And I believe through my testimony and the Word of God, God can use your testimony and my testimony to draw these people to Christ when he comes to them. That's what I believe it means. I'm telling you. Well, people, probably the number one thing I've heard in my life, why people reject Christ, you know what it is. All them hypocrites down at the church. <clears throat> Isn't it? Hear it all the time. That is their excuse for rejecting the Savior and the creator of this world. I don't want to give them that excuse. I want to glorify God. I want to live a good life, not a perfect life. My goal is to never sin again. But they won't take me to that standard. They just expect some consistent. Do you realize in the last two Sundays and last Wednesday night, two Wednesday nights, some of you may not have noticed this, my theme, the last four messages I've preached, have been our testimony and the way we act in front of the world. You know what I found out from people out there as I talk to them, unbelievers, atheists, all of them? You Christians ain't no different. Without our testimony, it really hurts. It really hurts the word of God and the truth of God's word. I challenge us. I'm so glad you all my brothers and sisters. You guys, are, they don't know what great people you are like I am. But I want to challenge us as the pastor of this church to live better lives than we ever lived, to examine ourselves, to see if we're being and showing forth Christ. In Philippians, it says that you shine as lights in the world. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these people. Dear God, I pray, like Peter said, I love where he said it. He said, in time past, he said, I was a sinner. We were sinners but we're supposed to be different. Dear God, we here in this church that name the name of Christ, your son, we're all in this together. We all got to be helping each other and encouraging each other and checking each other out, judging each other, holding each other accountable that we shine his lights. Oh, dear God, I pray as I studied for this message, I have looked at my life and examined my life and see if there's something that ought not to be there that would hurt the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray there would be some Christians here today that would thoroughly inspect their lives, that their testimony would not hinder the great doctrines and teaching of the Bible. May people, as we share Christ with them and the doctrines, may they see this love that Jesus shared for people, even in their sins. When we see people calling us evildoers, may we realize that their minds are darkened by the God of this world. And that's just the way unbelievers see things. But we just keep loving them and sharing the gospel and having a great testimony. And when you come to them and you draw them one day, our testimony will not be the thing that hinders them from receiving Christ as their Savior. We have great opportunity in this city, dear God. May we not squander it, dear God. May we suffer in the flesh for your sake. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as always, I can't believe we're coming to the end of another service. I have no, no idea what's going through your mind as the word of God has been preached, as the name of Christ has been uplifted in song this morning. I have no idea. I just pray you came here with the kind of heart that wanted to get something from the word. Maybe God spoke in your heart this morning, challenged you, I don't know. 
As always, I pray, I want to close for everybody, and I'm not going to make an exception today. Are you here? And you say, Pastor Green, I know that I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. But as the Word of God was being preached this morning, God has spoken to my heart. I have a great need, Pastor, in my life, whatever it is. And you'd like me to pray for you. No one looking around, please. If you're a brother or sister, raise your hand just for a moment. Let me scan the audience and see your hands. Again, I have no idea what all these needs could be about, why you're raising your hands, but thank you so much. Put them down. Thank you so much, brother and sister in Christ. I have great need in my life. I have areas in my life I need to be challenged with all the time to walk with God and to make myself, my, my flesh suffer, to deny my flesh, to crucify my flesh. I'm no different than you are. Let me ask one other question before we leave this place. Are you here today and when you came to church, you thought you were all right with God, but you realize there's never been a time in your life where you've confessed to God that you're a sinner and asked his dear son, Jesus, to forgive you and to save you. But you say, Pastor, that's what I want to do today. I understand what, why Christ died. I understand why he suffered on the cross now. He and he is the only is the one who can forgive me. And I want to ask him to forgive me this morning. When you're praying for all these people, Pastor, would you remember my need to trust Christ as my Savior? If you'd like me to pray for you also, no one looking around, would you lift your hand just for a moment and let me pray for you, a hand over here, a hand here. Don't want to miss it. Pastor, I need Christ as my Savior. I want him to forgive me and save me, a hand over here also. Thank you so much. You can put those hands down. God bless you. Father, I thank you for these people. Dear God, what, what, a, what an exercise in futility it would be, be to come here and preach to these people without your word, without the help of your spirit this morning. But again, many people have raised their hands and said, Oh God, I need something in my life from you. I need your prayers, Pastor. I don't know what those prayer, what they need, but I know that they're sincere by the raising of their hands. Dear God, help my brothers and sisters with the needs of their lives, dear God. Do something in their life. Encourage them. As always, send someone along their way, their path, to, to help them, dear God. Help my brothers and sisters with their needs this morning. And dear God, I pray for anyone here that needs forgiveness that needs a Savior. Dear God, right where they're sitting, may they just in their heart cry out to you and say, God, I need your son, Jesus. I'm asking him to forgive me and to save me right now. I pray they'd cry out to you, dear God, with all their heart, believe on your son, Jesus Christ. Pray you bless this time of singing, this time where we make decisions, where we sing, where we pray at the altar. May you encourage us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.